Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Before you jump into this episode, we have an announcement and something special for you. We are celebrating going over 100,000 downloads on the Less Stressed Life podcast this month. And so we'd love to give you something back. And so we have partnered with Zinn, who was on episode 41. One of the creators talked about his experience with turmeric, where his uh, dad had diabetic foot pain, and they used a paste of turmeric and olive oil and quickly resolved the pain at that time. So they were inspired to create something that could change the world, and they created Zinn, an an anti-inflammatory turmeric beverage. Now, it's a little bit like it's a it's similar to what a sports drink might taste like, but very different at the same time. So it's really delicious. And they have offered so graciously to give away a case to a less stressed life listener. Now, because turmeric is the most widely studied anti-inflammatory herb in the world, it seems so fitting to give that to a listener of the less stressed life. So here's two ways you can enter. If you go over to Instagram, follow at KristaBigglerRD, and you click on the post that says 100,000 download giveaway, you can comment with your favorite episode. There's a second way you can enter. Either one of these works. In last week's episode, we mentioned that we'd love for you to send us a voicemail. You can either open the voice memo app on your phone, record a little something for 20 seconds, send it over to hello at lessstresslife.com, or send us a speak pipe. It's probably a better chance it'll get to us via speak pipe. Sometimes that stuff gets hung up in cyberspace through email. But if you go over to lessstresslife.com, there's a little widget on the right side that says send voicemail. And that you can just click on, press the button, record your little voicemail about your favorite Christmas pastime. So whatever that is, whether it's grandma's favorite cookies, tickling your nieces and nephews, playing cards, I don't care what it is, but we would love to sh- like bring that love in and we'd love to feature you on a December podcast episode. It's not, I don't know if every single uh, voicemail will get selected, but please include your name and where you're from and your favorite pastime and send that over to us. And that counts as an entry for the free case of Zen giveaway. We will announce the winner on December 2nd or 3rd after we compile the names and uh, do assign a random number generator to pick the winner. And I hope you win. So please go enter now over at Instagram. There's also a, a post on Facebook uh, for the Lestress Life page. And then, or you can just send a voicemail, either one, or you can get two entries. Uh, good luck. Now onto the show. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life Podcast. This is your host, Krista Bigler, private practice integrative nutritionist, helping people across the U.S. reverse digestive issues, eczema, and autoimmunity via phone and video consult. To learn more, visit lessstressednutrition.com. Now, on to the show.
Okay, today on The Less Stressed Life, I'm really excited about this because it's such a fun kind of one of those applies to everyone topics. We're going to talk to Matt Morgan about divorce proofing your marriage. He's one of the leading coaching experts in the com- country around this topic, really from working with newlyweds to near nearlyweds <laughs> um, to married couples. Matt has helped more than 10,000 couples bulletproof their relationships. His expertise and advice extends to every area of life, friendships, dating, sex, marriage, gender gaps, parenting, business, self-awareness, etc. Makes perfect sense because it's relationship um, savviness, right? So his audience loves funny and relatable stories, which we love too, sticky phrases and practical tips. He's been on stage with world thought leaders such as Tony Robbins and is highly rated by couples across, across America as both Wedding Wires and The Knot's 2019 Best Marriage Coach. He received his master's in theology and counseling from Bethel University in Minnesota. Go move west. Um, Matt resides in Denver, Colorado with his wife and daughter. Welcome, Matt. Well, thanks. It's great great to be here on the podcast with you, Krista. Yeah, and I was we were talking off air about people actually ask me all the time, where do you find these guests? And so I think I just like to be open. Sometimes people come to me, sometimes we find them or we hear about them in passing. Really, Matt's wife was on the podcast recently. She created a product um, I believe we call it, it's the even company. And so it's really complementary products for deficiencies around that are caused by uh, birth control and by statin drugs. And so she was on a, a couple months ago and, you know, just one thing led to another being online. And I found that her husband was this marriage coach. And I thought, well, this is such a fun topic also for our audience. So that's how this all began. Um, but Matt, you kind of mentioned you've been all over and you have a really kind of interesting story. Tell us a little bit about how you got into this area. Yeah, absolutely. And first of all, yeah, Sarah, my wife, she's the smart one of the family. So she's got the bi- background in biochemistry and all that kind of stuff. So it's great that she could be on that podcast with you. And, and, um, but yeah, you know, I've been married for 14 years and, um, you know, I always tell people marriage is amazing, but, uh, sometimes you're not my favorite person right now. <laughs> and it's times like that where it's really nice to be able to have coaching and relationships are what make life rich. I remember a few years ago looking at uh, a Harvard research study and it talked about the top 10 emotional stressors humans go through in relationships. And number one was death of a loved one, which makes sense, right? And and number two was divorce, which let's be honest, is the death of a loved one who's still alive. And, you know, my whole journey, I remember when Sarah and I first started, we met in college at the University of Wisconsin. And, um, and so we met, she was, uh, we met in math class. She was a college hockey player. I was a college tennis player. I was seeing, we sat right next to each other and I was like, you know, she was getting great grades. Our professor always belittled you when you ask questions. And so I was like, man, this lesbian here right next to me, she's really intelligent. Maybe I'm going to ask her. And so we started this conversation. We started, she started helping me with math. I started realizing, whoa, you like dudes. Oh my gosh. I had no idea. And, uh, we just really hit it off and, um, and we became friends. We started dating and Krista, it was tumultuous. <laughs> you want to talk about stress? It was absolutely awful. We were just like two powerful people trying to one up each other. We broke up after nine months. We didn't talk to each other for a year. I never thought I would talk to her again. And, um, and so we went through a big journey in our lives, so spiritually, romantic. relationally. Yeah. Right. It's like the real life stuff. It's not like we met and we fell in love and they lived happily ever after. No, 
we met, we fell in love and we hated each other. <laughs> and then we started to really grow personally. And, you know, I always tell people so many married people problems are really just single people problems <laughs> that we drag from our past into our present. And it really starts to affect our future. That was happening to us in college. And we really did both of us some great heart work, some self-care work. We had great mentors in our life. And that really brought us together. And uh, again, a year later, and we had a night and day different relationship and uh, kicked off into marriage. And, you know, as I was doing this, I was like, man, this is what makes life rich. In fact, that's not just an emotional statement. That's actually based on research that healthy relationships are what make life rich. They've been studying a lot of blue zones today mm -hmm. and you know that where people live for mm -hmm. like a hundred years. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it's not just their diet, uh, which is really my, where my wife leans, but it's also their relationships. And when it talks about stress, I know your podcast is really big on stress. You know, the tips of our DNA strands called telomeres um, actually begin to fray through stress, which is crazy. And the biggest mode of stress is relational stress. Mm -hmm. And the research shows that when these relationships can repair and be restored and you're not alone and you're not isolated and you're not exhausted, these telomeres, these tips of your DNA strands can actually repair. How cool is that? And you live longer. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and so that is really kind of the, 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 the foundation for why I do what I do. Been doing it now for about 14 years and um, it's been a blast. So I have to, well, a couple things. The blue zones, as you had mentioned, are the areas of the world where people live longer. And we haven't been able to find tons of like similarities. We have some that kind of we can pull out. But the biggest one, as you said, is relationships. It actually reminded me of another recent guest we had, Sanaa Abarisk, who is from Syria originally. And she just talks about how when you come to her table, she wants you to sit and enjoy and love what you're doing in the conversation. And I just thought about the because I'm so used to talking about blue zones in terms of health, obviously, right? You live longer. Yeah. But I love how you're bringing, you know, like if your relationships are, are struggling, it's really hard to have optimal health. Um, so it's such a good point. So I have to ask you, so you and Sarah were both alphas is what was happening. Um, yes. your wife, you and your wife were both alphas. I get that. My husband and I are both alphas as well. And so you butt heads a lot. His mom is really not, um, she's really like sweet. And people always say, yeah, you marry someone like your mom. And I'm like, no, you did not marry anyone like his mother. So anyway, you guys were um, both alphas. And are you saying that you basically through personal development um individually you kind of your paths crossed again and you realized you were sort of new better people and then you were more attractive it was a better situation oh hundred percent yeah and so it's so good so many people are like maybe if i just get relationship coaching you know or counseling maybe that will work and it does work it does help but it really starts with yourself and um you know within relationships it's so easy especially when you're an alpha to point the finger at the other person and blame them and the biggest thing that helps revitalize relationships whether you're married dating you know engaged is to move that finger away from your partner and back to yourself mm -hmm. and start being a student of yourself and um and that's an enormous gift um that plays into my coaching and the way couples can actually you know have great relationships that last the lifetime mm -hmm. i can't agree more and we actually had another relationship therapist on fairly recently and i had people that i know listen to that podcast and say how do i get my my significant other to do that with me or or whatnot and so i think the question here is let's say you can make an individual decision to do some personal development journey 
pain, but how do you invite the person that you love the most to also grow so that you're growing together and bettering together when it's really, you have to worry about yourself. I mean, that's a, that's the challenge of the tango, right? It's like, I want to grow, but I want you to grow as well. And you can't make someone do something that just doesn't work. That's where we're getting uh, frustrated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When uh, nobody likes to be controlled and we try to control your partner to develop, you know, it usually backfires on you. Right. And so uh, absolutely. I think when couples f- face that and one person's motivated, but the partner isn't, there is a lot of frustration. I validate that. Like, what do I do? And I think for them, it's like, Hey, you can influence someone, but you can't control them. So go ahead and start influencing them by starting with yourself. And when you change, it is, has an enormous influence on your partner. Because now when your partner was saying something to you and you used to react, now you're responding. And when you're responding as opposed to reacting, that has an enormous effect on a relationship and starts to invite another person to think, wow, like I'm watching you grow. And that's kind of inspiring for me to be able to do the same. Mm, okay, got it. That's tough, though, because some people don't feel inspired. That's okay. We'll move on. It is tough. Um, Okay. So I loved, honestly, what I thought was like fun uh, about your profile was you talk about divorce proofing your marriage, which I mean, let's spread this love all over. Let me spread some of that fairy dust everywhere because we know (laughs) that divorce rates are very high. And so how do we help people? We know relationships are like a big backbone and we want to have healthy relationships. Then we want to do whatever we can to support and support and love people um, and help them with this, right? So what does that even mean? What does divorce proofing your marriage mean? What does that look like? Yeah, great question. You know, there's multiple layers to that question, but I would say the first layer and probably the most important is your mindset. And um, your mindset of how you view your partner will change the game with whether or not you have a great relationship or one that ends or one that stays married, but is actually awful. And uh, which oftentimes is actually worse um, than just getting a divorce. And so I'm not a fan of divorce, but I'm a big fan of mindset. And so what I mean by that is, I mean, think about sports. I don't know if, you know, if you're a listener right now and you're a sports fan, uh, what's the goal of the relationship when two, when you're playing football, let's say it's football season right now at the time of this podcast. And so when two people step onto a field, what's the goal of the relationship when you're wearing a different jersey? Well, we have to stop the other one from getting the ball down the field. Yeah, it's to ground and pound them, right? It's to win by making them lose. And so when you're wearing a different jersey, you do whatever it takes to win so that they'll lose is to stop the other person. You'll be defensive. You'll be offensive. You'll criticize. You'll ridicule. You'll play mind games. You'll manipulate. I mean, you will do whatever it takes uh, to be able to win so that they don't lose. So all your strategy is contingent on your mindset. And so now let's flip the script. What's the goal of the relationship when two people step onto a field and they're wearing the same jersey? Oh, well, you're supposed to help each other get the same ball down the field. Yeah, the goal is still to win, right? But now it's to win together. It's exactly right. It's to help each other. And so when you have that mindset of being able to help each other, everything changes. Your strategy changes. Like if if your teammate drops the ball, a good teammate, what do they do? They slap them on the butt and they're like, hey, man, we'll get it next time. You know, they pass to each other. They help each other. They support each other. They encourage each other. Their tone and pitch is different. Everything changes. Now, we're not talking about football here, right? This is key when it comes to relationships and divorce-proofing your marriage because at the end of the day, teamwork makes the dream work 
right? And uh, there were so many things that I don't know about you, but I do because I'm an alpha when I'm wearing a different jersey, right? I have a whole list of things that I do that are unhealthy. When I'm wearing a different jersey and I'm trying to win an argument, you know, I am defensive. I do not listen. I wait to speak as opposed to listen, right? I am manipulative. I use tone and pitch. I I ask questions, but let's be honest, they're not really questions. They're statements in the form of questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you really believe that's true? Which is essentially saying, you're an idiot for thinking that's true, but I'm gonna say it in a question because it's even more manipulative, right? Everything I do, I keep proverbial file cabinets, right? Oh yeah, well, you remember when you did this, you know, three years ago? Well, I'm bringing it out for this. You know, you're always watching sports. Well, yeah, you're on Instagram all the time, right? I bring in multiple issues. And so all as a defensive posture, there's so many things that we do. Some of us, uh, we're not alphas, you know, we, we stuff. And it's not about putting on a different jersey. It's about actually just taking off the jersey and walking off the field because conflict, ugh. I don't want it. And so I just was like, I'm just going to shut down. I'm going to stuff it. I'm going to pretend like this conversation didn't happen. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to stonewall, right? I'm going to not let, what's going on? Are you, how are you doing? I'm fine. Now, are you really fine? No. Why? We know from research that only 7% of communication is verbal. (laughs) That's it. Mm. So when you send a text message, 93% of communication is eradicated. Now, emojis help, sort of. (laughs) But right, 38% of communication is actually tone and pitch. So how we say what we say is actually more important than what we say. And then 55% of communication is nonverbal. And so all of that we use when we're wearing a different jersey. Now on the flip side, when we're wearing the same jersey and we believe with the mindset that this is my team teammate, our strategy we use completely changes, right? Like I'm actually, when there's a gap between what I expect and what I experience, like I'm actually more inquisitive. I'm, I'm, I'm more of a student than I am a teacher. I'm waiting, you know, to be able to understand as opposed to waiting to speak. I'm a person who gives you the benefit of the doubt. I'm a person who, you know, walks in a way that says, hey, you know what? Could you help me understand? I'll enter with ignorance as opposed to accusation. Mm -hmm. And so there's so many different strategies. My tone and pitch is totally different. I'm curious. And uh, when, you know, especially when conflict happens and, you know, some people, very few people like conflict. You know, if you're conflict, if you like conflict, you're kind of weird, you know, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, most of us don't like conflict. And so we have a very negative perspective of that. And it is very easy to wear the same jersey when it's easy. Mm-hmm. When life is going great, it's easy. But it's when the challenge comes and it will come for all of us. It's that's the challenge when what jersey am I wearing? Yeah. And the jersey that we're wearing and the team that we have will change the game. Because the thing is, and I tell all my clients this, like, listen, I can teach you all these tricks and tips and tools about how to have great communication. And I do, (laughs) but none of those matter if you don't start with the mindset that this is my teammate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you're talking through this, I think I a hundred percent agree. And I have a comment about that, but in general, I understand that this could be challenging to quickly adopt or it can be challenging to start responding instead of reacting if you've recently been hurt or if you're continually getting hurt, right? By, I mean, it's like, because you have to repair that damage (laughs) and if you don't have the chance to repair that or you don't feel supported in repairing that or, you know, that is where it comes back to individual, a little bit of individual, right? Like you have to work Mm -hmm. to repair that because, I mean, someone else isn't going to come over and put the bandaid on probably for you, you know? Um, 
So anyway, it's interesting. I think about when I think about mindset, I want to talk about what mindset means. I actually, I believe that mindset is the key piece to success. I mean, in the type of clients I work with as well. And years ago, someone's, I've mentioned this, but it's been a while on the podcast. Years ago, I had a friend send me, she accidentally sent this ominous package. Like I think she shipped it and like didn't say who it was from and there was no thing inside. And it was a book called The Mindset. Mm. by Carol Dweck. I'm sure you're familiar with it. And it talked a lot about growth and fixed mindset. And to be honest, I only read half of the book, but it changed my life because sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And I think a lot of times, and my question for you is, does some of this unintentionally come from our childhood, like how we're raised and how, and as you start to observe like, oh, I grew up with kind of a fixed mindset until someone points out to you the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset, how can you ever recognize the other one? Or how do you like to explain mindset, I guess, versus growth, fixed, however you like to explain it? Yeah, that's a great question. And yes, it is both nature and nurture. We both are wired with a personality. (laughs) And uh, one of the personality types that I love that I've been really teaching hardcore for the last year is the Enneagram, Mm -hmm. um, which Enneagram, Ennea is the Greek word for the number nine and gram is a figure. So it's a nine sided figure that gives you a number between one and nine. Essentially, there are nine normal types that we get from nature and nurture from the way that we were wired from birth, as well as our environment by which we grew up, which affects how we view the world. You ever look at people at work or at home and you're like, why do you do that? What's up with that? What's what's wrong with you? Well, essentially, it's not necessarily that there's something wrong with them. It's that they're, they see the life, see, see life through a different grid. And so there's nine normal types, if you will. But there's a million different ways in which they express. You know, it's just like the primary colors. If you go to a paint store, you there's an endless array of paint colors you know and so but there's just a few primary colors well it's the same within our personality and that affects mindset upbringing affects mindset trauma affects mindset so this stuff is not easy you're right this is very easy to talk about but it's not easy to apply because it really takes a list triggers or trauma or past pain and to be able to evaluate and it starts to even be able to evaluate you need safety You need to be able to have a safe environment to do that. And so if you're not in a safe environment to do that, you're right. It's very easy for me to say, put on the same jersey. But when you can't do that because you're not safe, safety is a foundation piece that you need in order to be able to do that. But Rick, recognizing oftentimes what what, what normal couples go through, what a lot of us couples go through is that we think that our partner is making us wear a different jersey. Like when there's a gap between what we expect and what we experience, like we actually get to choose what goes in that gap. We have far more control in a given issue than we realize. Mm -hmm. We think other people are making us believe the best or assume the worst, right? Like, you know, it's, it's actually our choice of how we want to approach this. And, um, and that's what the communication skills that I teach really are effective in doing. Yeah, I want to jump into those communication skills here in a moment. But when you said trauma, before I move past that, I wanted to mention we've been exploring that a bit um, with recent guests. And Trauma isn't it just because you know you don't have this stereotypical thing that happened in childhood or adult life or whatever doesn't mean you haven't had trauma. Um, so yesterday I had to. It's funny that you mentioned personality tests. I asked a client yesterday about some personality traits that she had because I was going to be having a challenging discussion with her about some potential past trauma, which was essentially some medical procedures um, that people would not consider to be trauma normally, but the way it was carried out and whatnot um, was really 
quite traumatic. And I wanted to talk to her about how physiologically we were able to see on tests how it was affecting her stress hormones um, yes. and what that was doing. And so um, I wanted to like, in, in, in order to frame that conversation gently and carefully and, and whatnot, I wanted to understand the personality types. But I think it's so fun to understand people's personality types um, because it helps you under, I mean, it's just, it's this wonderful way of like, Oh, that's why that person is the way they, they are. Yes. You know? Yeah. It is an absolute blast. And what I love about the Enneagram is, you know, so many personality tests focus on behavior, which is good and fine and helpful. But let's be honest, like sometimes my behavior changes depending on the context that I'm in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so what I love about the Enneagram is that it focuses on core motivation, mm -hmm. which is why you do what you do. And that's way more intriguing than what I did. Yeah. But why I did it. And that really helps, I think, from a stress perspective, from a relationship perspective. And you're right. We are not just psychological beings. We are emotional beings. We are mental beings. We are spiritual beings. And we are physical beings. And so our physio physiology can affect psychology <laughs> and emotional life. And, uh, and so making sure that all of those are integrated is what it means, I think, to be ultimately healthy. Mm -hmm. And that's a journey that we all want to be on so that we have less stress and more joy. Yeah. I'm excited to know that you are kind of a little Enneagram aficionado because I'm looking for someone to interview on the Enneagram. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> but um, so this audience does love talking about the sign. I mean, I some of us are, are like this. If we understand why, I think all of us are like this. If we understand the why behind something, then it affects um, how we do it, right? So like, yeah. I'll do that if I understand the why. So we love the science behind things. You talk about the science behind communication. Um, so you also utilize what you call the communication station. Will you talk to us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So in their mid 1970s, the University of Minnesota actually did a lot of research around the science behind communication. And they came up with something called the awareness wheel. And what I've done is just taken that research and made it more applicable for my audience to really be able to understand, remember, so that you can apply. Because the only difference between knowledge and wisdom is that wisdom is applied knowledge, right? And so how do you apply anything if you can't remember it? And so I'm very big on trying to take science and make it simple. And um, Einstein once said, if you can't explain something simply, you don't understand it well enough. So that's what I'm passionate about is taking science and making it simple. And so if you think about a communication station, I tell every person, maybe right now you're on a run while you're listening to this, you're in the car driving, just take a look at your hand if you have one, right? And, uh, and, and your hand, first of all, take a look at your palm. Your palm represents an issue right? A topic. Um, let, let's say, for example, it has to do with what time you came home. <laughs> That's the issue, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at your pinky, the science shows that all of communication is bent around five things. And, um, and so if you have five phalanges, here are your five things. The pinky represents the facts, right? The sense data, what you see, what you heard, what you smell, what you touch, what you taste, the five senses, what are the facts? So for example, if the issue is what, what time you came home, here are the facts. You said you're going to come home at five, but instead you walk through the door at seven. Okay. That's just the facts. Mm -hmm. Now we move from the facts from the pinky to the ring finger. And those of you who are married, if you have a ring on your finger right now, look at your ring finger and that's your beliefs, your thoughts, your interpretations, your conclusions, all synonyms of the same word, the same thing, right? You commit to the things you believe in, which is why you put a ring on it. And that's why it's the ring finger. You guys, all right, that's your thoughts. Now, Let's let's go back there. If you're driving, if you're walking, if you're re if you're if you're running right now, if you're whatever you're doing, like just pause for a second and say, okay, here are the facts. You said you're going to come home at five, but instead you walk through the door at seven. 
Now, what's your knee-jerk reaction of reason why? All right, you got that? Now, for a lot of us, it's like, you don't even care. What in the world are you doing? Do you, you know, how inconsiderate, no phone call. I tried calling you what's going on for some of us, you know, it's putting on that different Jersey and we get defensive for a lot of us. Right. And uh, sometimes it's concerned. Sometimes it's like, Oh, maybe they were just helping grandma, you know, fix a, a, a flat tire. Like, I don't know. And, um, but all of us, we usually have a knee jerk reaction and those thoughts Oh my gosh, when they go and check, they can metastasize. You ever drive down the interstate and you're having a conversation in your head and you have an entire story that just metastasizes like a cancer? <laughs> you know, it's like it starts with their thoughts. And so that's our thoughts, that's our beliefs, that's the ring finger. Now, our thoughts elicit the next finger, which is our middle finger, and that's emotions. Now, tell me our middle finger isn't emotional finger, right? <laughs> you drive down the highway telling everybody you're number one as you flip them off, right? And um, and so it's it's so big. That's such an emotional thing. You know, our feelings, you know, are an emotional response as an adjective to describe how we're doing, right? I'm feeling insecure. Um, I'm feeling, you know, um, happy. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling witty. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling ignored. These are adjectives that describe an emotion. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. You know, researchers say that if if people can have about 30 great emotions that are adjectives in their tool belt, they can become extremely effective with knowing how your partner is doing which is so important. The average male has only five to seven emotions that we use and we recycle and repeat. You know, I feel, I feel hungry. I feel excited. I feel horny. You know, I feel frustrated. You know, it's like we, and we just kind of recycle those over and over. The average woman by research shows that they have about 14. <laughs> and so what's great about that is that when you can communicate your emotions, it builds empathy and this is huge i mean if this is what it means to be human and to have a relationship a connection now a lot no if you're a dude listening to this a lot of us dudes are like can we just cut that finger off and avoid this you know it's like no 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 our emotions are important because if you don't know how to show up with your whole heart and be vulnerable which i know for a lot of us guys especially is a sign of weakness in relationships especially with your spouse or your partner your most significant relationship it's your greatest sign of strength and what happens is that people end up, you know, thinking that our emotions are a bad thing, but our emotions are actually the greatest sign of strength that we have within a relationship. And if you don't have that, it's like going to a doctor and the doctor's like, well, what's wrong? And your mouth is duct taped and your hands are tied behind your back. Well, good luck trying to articulate how you're doing and what's wrong. And so you're going to play this hard game of charades and it's going to take a lot longer. Your emotions are that gift. Now on the flip side, and I'm probably going to talk to some ladies and some dudes, sometimes our emotions can get the best of us, right? Emotions you want with you. Emotions make great servants, but poor masters. <laughs> and some of us, you know, our emotions have hijacked our car. You want the emotions with you in the passenger seat, but some of us, our emotions just hijack us and take the driver wheel and, uh, and then throw us off the ledge. But emotions are important. And that's a journey of knowing how to navigate our emotions and communicate them effectively. So that's the middle finger, important one. Mm -hmm. the, the next finger is the pointer finger. You point to what you want, right? And your pointer finger are your desires or your expectations. Now, those are the same thing, but they're actually kind of different a little bit. So your desires are what you want. Expectations are what ought to happen. Anytime you ever say the word should, 
ought or supposed to. You should have done that. You were supposed to do this. You better be here. You know, it's like that's an expectation. And there's a grid by which we have our in our life. And so when you have an unmet desire, the pointer finger, I wanted this. There is a direct connection to your middle finger uh, emotionally. If you have an unmet desire, you're probably going to feel what? sad, disappointed, bummed, you know, those would be a, be a natural emotional response. Now, if you have an unmet expectations, you better do this or else. And they didn't do it. There's one emotion that comes over you. You know what it is? What? <laughs> Anger. Yes. So when you're pissed, you know, you'll pissed off. You got to stop and be like, okay, like I'm mad or it's cousin frustrated, right? That's because there's been a there's been an unmet expectations. Expectations are our grid by which we view justice. And it's right and wrong. It's very black and white. And so as a result, we get angry. So I always tell people, if you're angry, pause and ask yourself three questions. Number one, what is my expectation? <laughs> Number two, have I communicated it to my partner? <laughs> Because sometimes that doesn't happen. You know, I, I remember, um, you know, just a little bit ago, it's been freezing here in Denver. We've gotten tons of snow. And um, and I went out to go uh, start the car in the garage. And I was going to, um, I was actually going to just like, like leave. And um, I was going to back at the car out. And, um, and so and then start the car. And uh, I recognized when I got out in the garage, it wasn't actually that cold in the garage. So I started the car, but the car was still in the garage. I walk in and Sarah's like, Matt, what are you doing? She responded in anger. Like you, you have the car running and the carbon monoxide is going to get in our house and we're all going to get poisoned. Right. And, um, I had changed my expectation and, but I didn't tell Sarah what I was doing was just coming in real quick to get my bag and to leave. And, um, and so because I didn't tell her that I, I was like, because I'm an alpha, I almost erupted back in anger. I was like, you don't understand. I'm just leaving. I was like, oh, she doesn't know because I changed my expectation, but didn't tell her. So that's the second question. Have I told my partner? And the third one, can you think on your feet that fast? Sure. <laughs> were, you, were you able to like quickly respond instead of reacting? Cause I hear the thought process happening in your head as she's yelling at you. And yeah. So through a, now now here's the thing i have failed in that so many times okay in this particular one this was one of success i was like you know what i was i was almost about to re react but i actually didn't because i was like you know what she's right i didn't tell her so how could she know there's been many times where i've screwed that up and that's human relationships right and i'm like i'm sorry i need to i reacted back to you i shouldn't have done that right mm -hmm. in this case i was actually good <laughs> but it's a great question and you know i think the third question that i ask myself too is like hey is this expectation reasonable which let's be honest if you have the expectation of course i think it's reasonable otherwise i wouldn't have it but there's oftentimes where we have expectations that feel or sound reasonable but they're actually not i'll give you an example I shouldn't have to tell you what I want. You should already know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's unreasonable. Or maybe we had this conversation a month ago, and and but you didn't do it. We all are all trying to get our own needs met, you guys. And at the end of the day, we don't always, though the priority of needs are not always seen in the same way because we're all trying to get our own needs met. So we don't see the same things as our partner. And so thinking that you should already know is actually probably not helpful to be like, hey, I need a reminder of this is important to me. Okay, 
I need to communicate and articulate. When that doesn't happen, a lot of people then get emotional, they get manipulative, they get exhausted, you know, and so it just turns out really bad. So knowing your desires and expectations and articulating them, especially in advance, you want to save countless hours of needless bickering. Talk about expectations, the pointer finger, before the event occurs. I cannot tell you, I've had so many situations where I'm like, uh, Sarah and I, we had a situation where we were at a party. This is our first year of marriage. And uh, we get to the party at eight o'clock and at 10 o'clock she comes to me and she says, babe, I'm ready to go home. And I was like, what are you talking about? The party just got started. Now, Sarah's a little bit more introverted. I'm more extroverted. <laughs> and I said, no. And of course I alphaed up, I powered up. We didn't leave till midnight and then she beat me. No, I'm just kidding. She, <laughs> but we drove home that night, Krista, and we fought the entire drive home, not just on that night, but for days on end. You ever notice how some of the smallest issues can metastasize into the biggest conflicts? Mm -hmm. well, what is that? Well, it's because we didn't actually talk about expectations in advance. And so fast forward two weeks, we get invited to another party. And before we went, I'm like, okay, hold on a second. Before we go to this, what are your expectations for how long we're there? <laughs> She's like, well, I'd like to leave by 10. I was like, I'm glad I asked. And then we could come up with some solutions, which is the last finger. The last finger, the thumb, which you guys separates us from most of the animal kingdom and allows us to do so many things is the next steps. The thumb represents next steps. What are we going to do? What are some creative solutions that we can come up with as a team because teamwork makes the dream work. And what I encourage couples to do is don't just stop at the first one, come up. Usually some of the most creative ideas are two, three, four ideas down the road and create a pack where you say, Hey, no idea is a dumb idea. Let's just get some ideas on the board and then we'll critique them after we've exhausted them. Simple as that. So on one occasion, Sarah and I, we took two cars. It was a close thing. You know, another occasion, we had a solution of, you know, she wanted to leave at 10. I wanted to leave at 12. We left at 11. We compromised. And, um, and so all of a sudden now we don't have conflict because we were able to work through the science of communication. Now, that's the communication station. But so many conflicts occur and create stress because our starting place around the science is different. You know, statistically, but not always, most men start with the facts and what they believe. And some of them just leapfrog right to next steps, right? Guys like to fix stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that causes issues. So many women, where do they start? Emotions. Yeah. So, I mean, where are you supposed to start? Are you supposed to start at the pinky? Yeah, great question. There's no right answer to where you start. It doesn't matter where you start. It just matters that you start and that you hit every area. And so for men, if you're, it's a great thing to ask your partner, hey, where do you start usually? Now, again, it can depend on the, the, the situation, but usually maybe I start emotionally. A lot of guys try to just cut that finger off. I don't even like emotions, you know, but it's like, hey, you got to start there. Validate those emotions. Validation doesn't mean agreement. It means I see where you're coming from and start there. And when you do that, a lot of women feel heard. Mm -hmm. And now they can talk about the facts. They can talk about solutions. They can talk about, you know, desires or expectations. And so uh, on the flip side, you know, if, if a woman's saying like, well, tell me how you're feeling, babe. And the guy's like, well, here are the facts and here's what's going on. And here's what I'm thinking about fixing it. It's okay to let him start there, you know? And it's like, well, if you did that solution, how would that make you feel? That's a great question for a woman could ask a guy, you know, to make sure that you have understood all the different fingers 
So I think that was such an artful way to use the hand. <laughs> and I'm going to recap it. <laughs> so the pinky is the facts, right? Yep. The sense of the five senses. The ring finger is the beliefs or Correct. the thoughts. Uh, the middle finger is emotional, right? So you talked about mm -hmm. how um, men often only have like five things that they're kind of working through and, yeah. or, you know, the way to describe how <laughs> yeah, they feel. Five and to women, seven emotions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And women have 14. I mean, that's a giggle statement. Cause I, as you're talking through it, I'm like, yep, pretty sure. Um, and then let's see, my pointer finger is desires and expectations, which is such mm -hmm. a big one to resolve conflict. And then the thumb is the next steps. And I love how you talked about how that really separates us um, because we're able to uh, have thoughts and processing emotions, et cetera. Um, so I have to ask, um, what about, I think statistically there, there are people here that are divorced or headed toward divorce or feel that they are. And what do you say to them? Like, at what point is, is that a possible right option? Like, do you find, do you find yourself with, with couples at that point? Right. Um, and how do you know that like that might be the right option for them versus not? Um, because as I said, statistically, like there is a, a chunk of the audience listening that's in that place already. Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I don't know that my answer will be exhaustive, but if you're a person who is considering divorce and you're asking the question, well, how do I know if I should or shouldn't, um, you know, again, I don't know your specific situation, but um, first of all, I would ask like who you're getting influence from. Um, a lot of people that I say that are contemplating divorce, that I ask them why, why are you contemplating divorce? And you know what their answer is? I deserve to be happy. And I ask them, this is a huge can of worms mm -hmm. because I say, who taught you that? And then there's a question like, well, I don't know. Like our society is big on happiness, which I love happiness. You know, I, I don't knock happiness. I love happiness just the next to the uh, next person. But happiness is just one emotion of many emotions. And so there's something more powerful and more meaningful than happiness, and that's wholeness. And it's learning how to struggle well. We are the most pain averse culture in U.S. cohort history. We have a pill for a nail for everything. You know, we just, I, I do. I, I mean, I, I binge on Netflix and ice cream when I'm feeling emotional, you know, like I just, I'm not happy. So I try to do anything to cope with that. And so I think a starting point is like, well, how do I get whole? Do I have meaning and purpose? And starting with that is very, very important. And, um, and trying to understand a vision for why you got married in the first place. What was the reason I got married? Do you have an answer for that? And, um, and so there's sometimes where things seem so bleak and I so validate that things are so isolated seeing things have been bad for so long, but it, it really is that element of like having a vision, a uh, statistically about every four weeks vision leaks, meaning we forget why we do what we do. Why am I in this job? Why am I in this relationship? Why did I say yes to this? And so I think going back to your why is very important because at the end of the day, and I see this in a lot of my couples who get married, remarried. And not everybody, but a lot of couples, when they get remarried, they start having a lot of the same issues. <laughs> mm -hmm. Why? Well, because the common denominator is you. <laughs> and so you carry yourself around. And again, it's very easy to point the finger at the partner, which is valid in a lot of points. But that's why I start with, well, what am I doing? And, um, and so how can I, I work through? When you're not happy, what you do is you try to control your partner to try to get them to do what they used to do when you were dating and in love and everything was easy. And so as a result, 
for whatever reason in our culture, we think that relationships should happen through osmosis. Like it should just happen naturally. It shouldn't be work. But there is no other context that we take that. If you want to get a job, you'll get an education. In that job, you still get an education. You in that in that job to, to get promoted, you get more education. You learn everything you can. And yet for some reason we think that if we get relationship education, you know, that's a negative thing, you know, or maybe we're guilty or something. And so it's like, Hey, maybe I need to start there. I tell some of my couples, you maybe are not safe and you need to create some safety. So start with maybe separation. A lot of my couples look at that and they're like, Oh no, no, that's just the sign of divorce. That's just the next type of divorce. Well, it might, but it doesn't have to be. Separation is taking some personal space to create safety and to see what life might look like if you were divorced. And to have a trial period where you're not actually divorced. And um, and so those are some things I would give. Now, on the flip side, if someone's not willing to work on themselves, even after you've done all those things that I took, even after you've gone through all those things, those steps that I, that I just went through, you know, and they're just saying, I'm done. You can't do anything about that. You know, there are there's this pathway. And Malcolm Gladwell, you ever heard of that dude? Yeah. He, uh, several years ago, he wrote a book called Blink. And in that book, one of the th- examples that he gave in research is that they hooked married couples up to electrodes and they said, okay, talk about the biggest point of tension in your relationship. Ready? Go. <laughs> and they would be able to detect within a blink of an eye, within just a few minutes, who would be divorced with 99% accuracy within five years. What? What were they looking for? And the answer is contempt. You know what contempt is? Contempt is beyond I'm angry and upset about something. Because when you're angry and upset about something, you're still emotionally attached. When you have contempt, it's like, I don't care if you blow up. I don't care if you stuff it. I don't care if you, like, we're done. Like, you're dead to me. Mm -hmm. How does anyone get there? Well, there's a whole path of of things that people get there. Stonewalling, name calling, you know, rolling of the eyes, blame shifting, never taking personal responsibility, always putting it on someone else, you know, using absolute language like always or never. Those are just some of the on ramps of contempt, which, by the way, Krista, I've been guilty of every single one of those (laughs) before in my own marriage. But these are things that metastasize. And so you can't do anything. And so at that point, you know, hey we need to go our separate ways. And if a person's not willing to be able to, that you're dead to them. And if, th- if that's what they want, um, people who have been divorced, I think it's really good for us to be able to ask ourselves questions about let's take that pain and that failure and let's use our failure to fail forward. Let's use it to struggle well. Let's use it to ask ourselves great questions. Like what are some of the biggest things that I've learned from that? What are my top five priorities or values I look for in a relationship? If I'm looking to go back into a new relationship, what does marriage mean to me? What is the vision of that? Those are some of the most profound questions that act as a North star for when you're going to go find a partner. What are some of the things that I can learn about myself of triggers of things that I need to know about myself, ways that I can continue to grow things that I get set off? Because again, so many married people problems are just single people problems. So what single people problems am I bringing? What insecurities do I have? Um, you know, what is my self concept like my ground floor of my identity? These are very spiritual questions, um, but they have a huge impact on a relationship. You know, as you were talking through most of that, I was thinking about how applicable this is to people in any stage of any relationship, because as you talked about 
kind of like when we go back to the beginning, the top 10, like emotional situations and relationships. And first is death. And second is divorce, which is the death of, of, of someone you love that's still alive um, in your, in your, in your relationship. Anyway, I was thinking about how essentially you could still apply what you just said to a job or parenting or whatever, mm. as we talked about, right? Because the relationship, yeah. it's still a relationship. And so if it feels like, yep, you know, everything is not serving. I mean, you can, it doesn't matter if we're talking about divorce or another relationship. It's a good, cause sometimes people are really pulled down by another toxic person in their life. That's not their husband or wife. Um, and that can be, that can really make you drag around a lot on your shoulders. And in a way, um, you can, you can rewind this and think through it in that lens, um, essentially. Well said, I couldn't agree more. Matt, this was full of great pearls. I just think it was such a good episode for people at all levels and all stages of life. If you could leave people with a gut reaction on what can someone start doing today to um, improve their life today and tomorrow, what would that be? Uh, That's a great question. You know, I think the fact that you're listening to this, I think even within this, I would ask yourself this question. What's one thing that I learned today that I could actually use to apply tomorrow? And I think that's the question that helps it give the answer because our answers are going to be different for all of us. And so that's the question. I think the engine, I think curiosity is what makes life rich. And I think the engine of curiosity are questions. So allow yourself to ask your questions. What aspect of that resonated with me? What are my, what's my vision of marriage? What are my top five priorities and values, right? There's a lot of questions I pose. What is my self-concept? And, um, and so I think asking yourself questions would be the next step because great answers come from great questions. And when you come up with the answer yourself, it sticks. Yeah. I, that might be my most favorite answer to that question I've ever gotten. So that is a, that is a great one. I am all about the questions and, and I love, I love that so much. Matt, where can people find you online? Yeah, well, there's a couple of different resources. Uh, MattMorgan.com, pretty simple. Um, there I do online, you know, relationship training. I meet with people, you know, in person, uh, through video conference calls, through online training. And then I also have a podcast. It's another re- free research or, you know, a resource for you guys. It's just called the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. It's on iTunes and Google Play. And the whole vision of that podcast is just diving in more to life love and leadership coaching. And so whether you're a business person or you're in a relationship of romance, um, it's a great podcast. I love it. Um, I think it definitely complements what we like to talk about here as well. Matt, it was a pleasure to have you. I hope you'll consider coming back to talk about Enneagrams (laughs) another day. So uh, we loved having you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. It was great. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stress Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stress Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 